Well, good morning. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I struggle with body image issues, uh, sexual addiction, anger, depression, and anxiety, and my name is David. Thanks for being here this morning. Um, I'm reminded this morning of even just last week, sitting under Rodney's leadership, and just a reminder that we don't have to hide from God this morning, but that he sees all, and he welcomes all, and, and wants us to come to him. Um, reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that says, for, for our sake, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to become sin, so that we Maybe the righteousness of God. And so this morning, I want to invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing some prayers. We're going to sing. We're going to ask the Lord to restore us this morning. But I just want you to know that this morning, there's nothing that you need to hide. It's okay to not be okay and to stand in front of the Lord um, vulnerable. And so this morning, as we sing, I'm going to ask you just to not hide yourself from the Lord. Maybe in the middle of a song this morning, you just need to tell him how you're feeling and where your heart's at this morning. I want to give you permission to do that this morning. So let's sing this together and make it a prayer. Asking this this morning, be thou my wisdom.
still be. Still be my
Praise God from blessings flow. Praise Him, all I want to ask you for the next minute just to pray for the person in front of you. Uh, as a family of believers, we, we carry the burdens of each other. And if you're on the front row and don't have somebody in front of you, pray for the, the live stream this morning. For those that are joining on there, I just want to take a moment. And just lift up the person in front of you. You probably don't know their name, but the Lord does. So would you pray for them this morning?
Lord, thank you for seeing individually what we're walking through, but also just the larger picture at hand. And Lord, you deeply care individually where we are at this morning. And so, Father, I ask that you would open up our hearts. Lord, your word is active and it's alive. So would you open up our dead hearts to to receive the live, the living word of God this morning. Lord, thank you for this family that, God, we are not perfect, but you still call us your bride and you pursue us. So God, would you use us? Would you use this church for your mission, for your name, for your glory's sake? And God, we give this morning to you. In your name I pray, amen. You can have a seat. Amen. Well, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with addiction to validation, sexual addiction, and food issues. And my name is Ray. Good morning, church. I was so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning, whether you're joining us via live stream or here in person. It is good to have you with us today. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship Fayetteville, and I wanted to take just a few minutes this morning to share with you some of the ways our staff has created for you to find some community. And so take out your smartphone if you have one with you this morning, open up the camera app, and uh, point it at some of these screens that will give you some more information and some ways to register for these things. We all know that in this last year it's been kind of difficult to find community, So our staff team really has worked really hard to provide some things in the next coming months for you. One of the things that we have is this young adult worship night. And so if you are a young adult, I'm still there. I don't know about y'all, but I mean, I'm still. But if you're college or post-college, just married, pre-kids, that kind of thing, we wanted to offer you an opportunity to gather, to worship, to uh, enjoy some teaching and just some time to hang out with some people that are in your same season of life. So take advantage of that. That's on Tuesday, April 20th at seven o'clock. Then we have a Fayette Kids Family Night and that is gonna be May 1st at 5 p.m. And this is for all you families out there who need something to encourage your kids with and also need some community for yourself. So we're gonna gather outside, we're gonna have dinner together, we're going to worship together and have some teaching. And again, just kind of reconnect or connect to those people that you need community with. Also, we have coming up this, this summer, starting on June 8th, we have a women's study. And that study is gonna be uh, Tuesday nights um, for, at 6.30, and it's gonna be studying the, this series, In His Image, by Jen Wilkins. You're gonna talk about exploring 10 characteristics of who God is, and I wanna be a part of that. I wanna know that as well. So <clears throat> take advantage of that, if you will. And then lastly, but certainly not least, and this isn't a seasonal thing, Celebrate Recovery happens in this room on Friday night at seven o'clock, no matter what. I mean, this last year, because of COVID, we had to postpone some stuff, but I don't think we've ever canceled a Friday night Celebrate Recovery for any other reason. So we will be here. And I just want you to know that Celebrate Recovery isn't for all those other people. It's for me, and it's for you. And if you have a struggle over a a, a hurt habit or hang-up that you're trying to find some freedom over, Celebrate Recovery is a great place to come and learn how to find freedom over those things. So if you're curious about that, just come and join us this Friday night. If nothing else, it's a great place to end the week and worship together and find some sort of restoration for your soul after a long week. So come, be curious, be open to the possibility that it might be for you as well. So let me pray for us as we continue today in worship and and through the teaching in the word. Father God, we we come before you and we just wanna pause this morning and recognize that it is because of you that we are here today. We don't come before you today to earn anything, but we come to you, Lord Jesus, and just acknowledging what you've already done in our life. You have seen us, you love us, you care for us, And through your word today and through this teaching, let us know that we too can have freedom from those things in our past. And we know that you love us and encourage us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, my brother Ray. Give Ray a hand. Ray does so much around here to uh, make this a great place to work. And so Misha, thanks for sharing him with us. Um, Well, good morning, my church family. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ and I struggle with anger 
control, and all sorts of issues that come with that as well. My name is Clark. It's great to be with you this morning, and we've been praying um, for months about this series that beginning with Easter, during this four-week season as we move into May, that many of you, for the first time in your life, would experience freedom from things that have hung you up, habits that have been hard to break, hurts that are now hurting others, and sins that you've had a hard time repenting from. And so we're praying that even today, as we look at freedom from what we've done, that today will mark the first day of the rest of your life, the, the, the day that God gives you your life back. And so there's some very pointed commands that we're going to work through today in our passage as we continue um, in this series. It's important that you understand um, in this series that if we could have done this in one sermon, we would have, but we've chosen to break it up in four different teachings as we walk through Colossians uh, 3, 1 through 17 together. We're going to be in verses 5 through 11. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there today. But just so you know where we're going, if you weren't able to be with us, I would encourage you to go back and listen to Rodney's uh, message last week. Um, He walked us through this idea of freedom from who we've been. Today, we're going to unpack freedom from what we've done. Next week, we're going to turn the corner and turn the tables on this idea of freedom, that God's given us freedom for something, specifically a new identity in Christ. And in turn, that new identity changes the way we live, our lifestyle, our behavior, freedom for a new way of living. And so it's, it's good to understand that these all are together. And so if you miss a week, please um, revisit our teaching online or on our podcast. Um, we've used this diagram to kind of help us walk through or give you a visual to help you understand how the process works. And we, we just simply call it the cycle of unhealth. And so the idea is that we all have in our past, I mean, in some form or fashion, uh, wounds or hurts made by others, ourselves, or just from natural causes, things that just happen, circumstances in our life. And as we begin to cope with those wounds and hurts, we start to believe false statements about who we are. Things that aren't true of us, things that aren't true of how God sees us. I know one of mine was, you can never change. You'll never be able to stop that. And it haunted me with shame. It was debilitating. False identity statements, I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. I don't matter to God. Today we turn the corner and we begin to own some of those hurtful habits those addictions, those dysfunctional behaviors, those sins that haunt us. As we believe these false statements about ourselves, we begin to live those out in our behavior. And in doing so, we start to hurt not just anyone, but those actually closest to us, the ones that we love the most. Did you know that hurt people hurt people? The same way we say forgiven people forgive people? In a negative sense, hurt people hurt people, whether it's a broken marriage or family dysfunction, betrayal. It's a whole litany of things that come along when we walk and we persist in a lifestyle of brokenness. I call these things that we're going to look at things that we run to false saviors. And I've run to them. Some of them are, are habits that are addicting. Some of them are sinful behaviors but there are ways that I've tried to cope with the pain and in in the shame in my own life. And so as we get into our passage today and begin to just unearth what God has for us, I'd like you to stand with me as we read our passage out loud. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the 
old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is neither Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is God's word. You may be seated. Our passage today, as you read, has some very pointed commands, very direct, um, difficult to apply, but clear in what Paul's trying to get across to us. Um, What I'm careful to do because of my own tendency and my own upbringing and legalism in the context of my own spirituality is to remember the environment of the context or the resources or tools we have around us to actually obey the scriptures so that I'm not obeying the scriptures to earn approval from God or from others and then compare myself and become a self-righteous Pharisee or a self-loathing person who walks in shame because I never measure up. So these four things that we're going to walk through briefly, just before we get into our commands, they give us a context or an environment, what I'd say, for obedience. And these are God's resources for us. The first one Rodney walked us through last week, the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus' finished work on the cross, his resurrection, and his ascension, where he has ongoing ministry in our lives even today. I would note a couple of phrases from our passage last week, three, one to four. If you have been raised with Christ, or some of your versions say, since then you've been raised. This is the good news. He's raised us to life, spiritual life now, and one day eternal life, where we don't have to fear death. In verse three, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, we've died to our old self in Christ. We've identified with his death on our behalf. We've been fully forgiven and granted that, and God is no longer angry with us. This is good news, fellowship. This is uh, the gospel message, and now our life is hidden with Christ in God. That's a place of security, of protection, of safety that he has for us. This is the good news of the gospel. So anytime you see a command in Scripture, if you're in Christ, a follower of Jesus, your behavior is rooted in this good news that Jesus has been perfect in your place, therefore you can now obey. It's not the other way around. You don't obey to earn perfection and be accepted by God. It's easy to miss that when the good news of the gospel frees us from that. Uh, The second resource we see here in our passage today, it's a clue here, and it's found in verse 10. It's called God's image. Uh, Did you know that when we begin to put on the new self, God begins a work that he began with you when you first believed of renewing you in the knowledge after the image of him, our creator, There's a work of restoration going on. He's restoring the image that he intended for us in the garden. It's why we celebrate 2 Corinthians 5, 17 around here. If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. There's a process. There's a moment where he changes us in our affections for him, but then it's a process of being renewed and restored. And one day we're gonna be at the face of Jesus and we're gonna be made like him. So gospel, God's image. And then there's a clue here to our third resource for obedience, community. There's a command here that says in verse nine, to not lie to one another. And then in verse 11, In this community of faith, there's not Greek and Jews, circumcised and uncircumcised, Scythian, barbarian, slave or free, but Christ binds us together. He's in us as a community of faith. Eight different times in this passage, there's a reference to a community of faith. The word you is used multiple times, and Rodney and Michael have both noted this in their teaching the last few weeks. It's that idea of you all. And so if you were in their context, Reading this letter, it was most likely read in the context of what we might call a community group. 
we most often read it in our little cubicle or our office or our coffee moment, and it's just, it's just me. It's this individualized experience. When they would read this out loud, it was read in a communal experience, a communal application with individual responsibility to one another. That's key to understanding this idea of community. It's also the reason that our obedience or lack of obedience always affects others as well. The you here is plural and it has both individual and communal application. And then finally, we take a clue from Romans 8, 13, a, a verse that has ministered to my soul in my own battle with sin. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death, and that's the phrase we're gonna look at in our passage today. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, the deeds of the body, you will live. We must remember that at conversion we receive God's Spirit, and that supernatural Spirit, not your will by itself or alone or your sheer discipline, can transform the heart. Only the Spirit of God can. It's important that we remember that because when we don't remember that or we don't practice that or lean into the power of the Spirit, we lean into self-righteousness, look at what I've done compared to others, or we lead, lead into self-condemnation. I'll never measure up. I cannot change. And so church family, let's do this together this morning. Let's put off the old man and its practices. Put to death, put away, put off. We have three puts in our passage this morning. Uh, uh, the first one here uh, is to, means to put to death. It means what it says. Um, in like, it also has this idea to do that, you must consider yourself as dead, something that's already true of you. As we've looked at uh, verses one through four last week. Uh, there's something true of us in our standing, our identity. We've nailed those things to the cross, and so we're now to actively put to death those things we used to struggle with, the things that used to um, reveal who we were in our behavior. We're to put to death. The old word that the reformers would use would be the word mortify or to kill, to consider something reckoned as dead, an account that's been settled, it's done. The language here is violent, it's ruthless because the stakes are high in terms of how we experience freedom. 23 years ago, I read a work by a man named John Owen called Sin and Temptation in My Own Struggle with Sin. And I'm gonna save you my English um, version of this, so I'll just say it as it reads. Uh, do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it whilst you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Is that not true? Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. So put to death these sins. He also uses a metaphor and an image as well where he takes this phrase, put away, or you have put off. And in verses eight and nine, we see this, and the image that he's helping us see is it's the image of removing your clothing, or removing the old clothing that you used to wear, and when people would see you, these behaviors identified you as you. He's saying, put those away, uh, and then put on the new. And I know our tendency, I think, is to keep the old clothing on and then put new clothing over it. Uh, that's not the work of the gospel in our lives. We're to remove the old clothing and put on the new. And so as we kill sin and we take off our old sinful clothing, these things are not an option. They're commanded by the Lord to us this morning. And if we're gonna experience a renewal in God's image and being restored in a healthy community, we must put these things away. And I think there's some clues in our passage today that help us see how do we do this? Clark, if you're telling me to put these things to death, so what does that look like? There's some clues in our text here. The first clue I think we see is we've got to name it. 
Paul doesn't pull any punches as he gives us a list of sins that they had practiced as a community faith and as individuals. And these things used to mark the way they lived. And now as they turn from these sins, they're experiencing a new restorative community of faith. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, or greed, as some of your versions may say, which is idolatry. You once walked in these, and you were living in them, but now take them off. Take those, that clothing off. And he, he goes from the more public expressions of sins to the sins of the heart, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene, talk from your mouth, lying to one another. He doesn't deal in generalities here. Paul is specific. He names sin and calls it what it is. We also see a clue here in that we must not just name it, but we must own our sin. We've gotta own it and be responsible and not play what I call the blame game. As you can see here in verse five, he says what is earthly in you. He says, you too once walked, you were living in them, you must, your mouth, one another, you have put off. There's an ownership as a community faith and as an individual in owning these sins and calling them what they are. Gotta take responsibility that you are guilty of these sins. The pronouns uh, point us to that. You're marked you're, you're no longer marked by these sins, so don't go back. Don't go put on that old clothing. Live what you already are. Burn the clothes. Bury the habit and don't blame others. Years ago, in my early years of trying to follow Jesus, um, I realized that I had an anger problem. And I thought it was just a temper issue because that's how some of us are born, right? Some of us have an edge, and that's what drives us, and it makes us successful in certain ways. Um, I also thought that because of what was modeled for me and my family of origin, I just kind of picked up some bad habits, too, as well. And then as I looked at the life of Jesus, I thought, you know, Jesus, he seemed to lose it every now and then on a Pharisee, Peter, or maybe a temple table, right? And so I began to rationalize this anger that was deep in my heart, wrongly thinking that even Jesus had modeled this for me. As I continued to grow in battle, I realized that something deeper was going on. You see, the truth is the circumstances in my immediate family relationships were growing out of control. And I couldn't fix them or remedy them. And so I began to try to control uh, my little world so to avoid as much pain as possible. And I began to run to isolation. I began to double down on controlling more and more in my life and became a fixer. Do, do I have any fixers in here? That when you feel out of control, you just gotta go fix something to make you feel like you, just, I bought into the lie, church family. Uh, that, I, that I was in control. It's, the narcissism owned me in that moment. And when I couldn't fix things, I also realized that I struggled uh, with authority issues. You see, I couldn't trust someone else to follow or let them be in control because I wasn't in control. So I struggled uh, with this. And whether it be in traffic, a line at the grocery store, a health situation, a home project, driving home from vacation. Some of you are staring that down in the next few months. If I couldn't fix it, I would boil over. And then this thing happened to me called marriage. Wowzers. Like we had so much in common and she's so different from me. And I, I couldn't control how God made her even. And the longer you live there, you go, wow, we are so different the way we see the world. And then God thought it'd be really cool to give us three boys under five. And none of them were like me. And so as I battled control, I began to have these experiences with anger that were a whole new area of sin for my life. 
uh, harsh words, condescending tone, ill-timed words, shame, isolation, impatience, a rebellious spirit towards authority. All these things began to come out of me and the very people that I love the most, I was hurting the most because I hadn't put to death this issue of anger in my heart and I couldn't blame anyone else. I had to own it. And so one night, and with the boys in bed, and Pam and I had just had the same argument. It seemed like for the millionth time. And I realized in that moment that I couldn't change myself. And so that night, I gave up. And God gave me my life back. I've never been the same again. And God's community, uh, God's word, God's spirit, the good news of the gospel began to change me from the inside out and to make me into a more kind person, a more patient person. And for that, I can't take any credit. God did a supernatural, sovereign work in my life. And so now I struggle well, struggle moment by moment, yielding control, repenting from thinking that I can fix people, fix things, fix my circumstances, control them for my own benefit. And even though I had trusted in the work of Jesus years before, the Holy Spirit was now doing this internal work in my life and making me into a new person. And so we must name it, we must individually own it as part of this faith community. And then finally, we must confess it and believe that the cross the cross of Jesus covers it. Uh, consider our context again. Do not lie to one another. In confession, we're open with one another. Ideally, those we trust, those who have our best interest at heart. And he says in this community of faith that uh, there's all kinds of people that are brought together by Christ, the wealthy, the middle class, the poor, the ethnically different, those with different religious upbringings. And some of you, those, some of you with no religious upbringing, you may be better for it if you're new in Christ in here uh, this morning. We're accountable to one another to kill sin or it's gonna be killing us as a community of faith. And so we have to stop lying to one another and step into a maskless life. No pun intended this morning. That's the way we wanna live in this new community of faith. I have a friend, his name is Tim, and uh, I wanted Tim to be with us today. Our, his schedule uh, did not permit, and so earlier this week, I asked him to share about a struggle that he's been in for the last 13 months, and he wanted you guys to be encouraged by what God is doing. And so check this out for a few minutes. Hey, Tim, thanks for sitting down with me, and I hope that our time together is a huge encouragement to our Fellowship Fayetteville family. And so I want to cut right to the chase. You're 375 days in to sobriety as we sit here today, and um, you found yourself in quite a predicament. Where were you at 375 days ago? 375 days ago, I was alone. I was sick. I was lost, and it seemed like I had blinked my eyes and everything that I knew that I had control of, I had lost control of. Mm. On top of it, I had a problem. And so we know that problem was, was alcohol. Mm -hmm. And uh, some 10 years before you had engaged in a sobriety fight. That's correct. But this one's different. That's correct. How is this one different than last time? Because 10 years ago, I stopped drinking when on two different occasions, somebody told me I was an alcoholic, and I said, well, I'll show you, I'm not an alcoholic, I'll quit drinking. Mm. So I stopped for, I don't know, 10 months, maybe 11 months, with the intentions of drinking again, which I did exactly what the alcoholic would do. I started drinking again, and when I started drinking again, I started drinking a lot. Mm. And, you know, I kept it under control for a period of time, and then it became just, became out of control. So for the better part of a decade, and now, a year into your sobriety, what's, what's been different about this fight this time? This time, it was through God's grace that I sobered up. The only way I could get the help I needed was to go to treatment. Mm -hmm. And 
I knew at the time when I asked for help that it was, God was there and it was in a parking lot and I looked at my wife and I said, I've got to quit drinking and I can't stop on my own. And I knew at that particular moment, if I asked for help, I would get the help that I needed. I don't know how, I yeah. just knew that God was there with me and that I needed to ask for the help. And then and since that day, you've taken some desperate measures. What are some of the specific things you had to do to daily fight this and walk in freedom? Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, you went to detox. I, I stayed in detox for yeah. 30 days. Uh, when I left detox, um, I went through an outpatient program. Um, I still engage in counseling. Um, I'm also on medication once a month. I, um, my whole life's different. My routine daily starts out, I start out in the morning with the serenity prayer. I avoid situations that are triggers, yeah. which are, you know, situations of angst and anger. I look places, at, certain places you probably try not to go anymore. Obviously, I don't, I don't go into certain places like bars. Yeah. <laughs> I do not walk into bars. Um, you know, there's certain things that yeah. I just don't do. They're just not places that I need to be in. I know what keeps me sober and what's worked for a year mm. and a month, and I'm not, uh, that routine, I don't want to change. Mm. I have a sponsor, and I have counseling that I go to, and one of the main things I have is I've got a CR group that's incredible. Yeah, and we've talked about that, and yeah. so, man, how has the Celebrate Recovery group been a blessing, and just the whole CR process for you. So when I stepped out of treatment, I've been in Fayetteville 30 years plus, and when I stepped out of treatment, it was like I came to a foreign town. Um, I knew that when I came out of treatment that I was not gonna be embarrassed for going to treatment because then that would be, I would be embarrassed for God's grace. Which is, so I came out of treatment and I'm not embarrassed of going to treatment. I had to go there. I had a problem, I had to address it. The next step was, where do I go, what do I do? And you directed me to the CR group. Well, I had never really engaged with CR. At first, you know, we kind of, you know, it was a little bit awkward at first, but after talking to the guys for just a few minutes, I realized, my goodness, we've got a lot in common. And we started sharing stories and, you know, fast forward that a year, I mean, we're more like brothers than we are a CR group. I mean, mm -hmm. we get together now. We finished our 12-step study, and now we're doing the we're we're, we're continuing on with book five, and uh, we meet every Wednesday. And I know that if I need something, they're there. Yeah. And the other thing I know is whatever we talk about, whatever goes on in that group stays in that group. Yeah, I know I've got confidentiality, which was very important to me because if I've got something that's really bothering me, that I need somebody to talk to, that, that can relate to me without me having to go into a whole story about what's going on. Yeah. I can talk to these guys and it stays right there. Yeah. So Tim, there's a Tim out there watching this and they're in the place that you were in 375 days ago. I mean, what, what would you say to them? When I was there, I felt like I was on an island and I was by myself. You need to look up, there's other people on the island. Hmm. Especially in today's day and age, a lot of weirdness is going on in this world. Yeah. And there's, there are other people struggling with whatever it is you're struggling with. And there are other people out there that you can talk to. Hmm. And CR is a great place. I've, I don't think I just happened into the great group. I think there's a lot of great groups out there. And I think it's a great program. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, obviously we've continued on as a group. And, we, yeah. matter of fact, we're meeting tonight. So. Tim, your story is amazing, a uh, picture of God's grace. And I appreciate your openness and vulnerability in sharing. And I appreciate your friendship, too. I Thanks, love you, man. Clark. Love you, too, man. Yeah. <laughs>
um, Colossians devotional book called The Hope of Glory. He said there are only two options when it comes to dealing with sin. You're either reckless or ruthless. There's no ceasefire in our war with sin. If it's a place, don't go there. If it's an image, turn away. If it's a song, don't listen. A book, don't read it. If it's a liquid, don't drink it. If it's a person, part company. How ruthless will you be this morning to walk away from this hurt, habit, hang up, or sin that is hurting others? As you consider your place in this cycle of unhealth this morning and where you're at, and you consider the addictions or behaviors or sins that you're using to numb yourself, how is it affecting others this morning? Is it causing shame? I know I lived in that shame. But with the Apostle Paul, I want to assert a truth this morning that I think gives hope and life and joy as we join the generations of sinner saints whom God is using uh, to find, help others find freedom in life uh, through Jesus Christ. He says this in 1 Timothy 1, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost Remember who's talking here. He's one of the heroes of our faith. But I received mercy for this reason. This is why God showed him mercy. That in him, as the foremost of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. This is good news for us, church family. And this is the reason, and the safety and the hiddenness and the security of being in Christ, that I can be up here. I know you're messed up. <laughs> I am too. I would ask this morning that you find a trusted friend sometime today and confess to them your hurt, habit, hang up, the sin that you struggle with. This would be your first step to naming, owning, and confessing to step into freedom. If you don't have someone, we've got couples in our prayer room to your right through these doors. Uh, something really cool this morning, we've got some Celebrate Recovery folks that are gonna be in our foyer. As you walk out, they'll be to your right there. And then don't forget that they also meet here on Friday nights at seven. We're gonna take a few minutes um, before we engage in more worship and confession. And I want you to note some of these sins I'm gonna, we're, gonna leave, we're gonna leave them up here on the screen. This is not an exhaustive list of sins or necessarily coping mechanisms that some of us struggle with. These are just some lists or some passages from the Apostle Paul as he tried to bring hope and renewal to gospel communities. These are the things that they were battling inside their church as they tried to be new followers of Jesus and if you're in a healthy place and don't find yourself struggling with any of these sins or you found freedom and you're walking in a place of health, maybe there's a young lady or a young man in your life or an older gentleman or an older woman in your life who's a Tim. And maybe the next few minutes could be a time for you to pray that God would do a supernatural work in their life. The Lord is good, the gospel is good, and there is power to change in the grace that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ.
Well, for me, for the longest time, confession uh, meant I was caught. You know, we've all seen those movies where you're in a courtroom and the person is found guilty. And uh, confession was always a terrifying uh, thing for me. And um, I don't really know where that mindset came from. Probably because I'm prone to hide and put a mask on and uh, let people see what I want them to see of me, thinking I can, I can actually control their perception of who I am. Um, but confession was always terrifying to me. Um, I think over the last year and a half, the, the Lord and through my marriage has revealed to me that the beauty of confession and how confession is actually the road to intimacy. What intimacy, we think intimacy, we think sexual. And there's an aspect of it to that. But intimacy, really what it is, is into me, you see. It's learning how to take the mask off to reveal who you really are with the fear of rejection and all, but to find healing and to find a God who doesn't run and says, no, I still want you. I choose you as mine. So this week, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you to confess to the Lord honestly and knowing that he is he has paid the complete full price. In Hebrews, it says, once and for all, we are justified by his blood and his blood alone. And now sanctification is begin believing that we've been justified and that we're fully known by him. And so I want you to stand with me. We're gonna end with this song that's simply a prayer that just says, Lord, I need you, I need you. And is that not true of all of us that we need him? And so let's ask him this. Uh, so teach my song to rise to you. Oh, so teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you This is true Cause Jesus, you're my hope and stay Lord, I come Sing it I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. This is true. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. As a family, can we sing this? Tell him this. Lord, I need Oh, I need you. Yes, every hour I need you. You're my one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. We put our hope in this. Celebrate this. This is true. I cannot stand up all 
want you. Tell me, oh, cause Jesus, you're my hope So, God, I know that you see us, you see each one of us where we are at right in this moment. And that's beautiful, Lord. It's a place where we can take off the mask, take off the, per, the image that we try to perceive to others and be fully accepted by you and to receive healing and restoration. Lord, I know that I need that. So, God, would you unify this body? Would you unify us that as we collectively seek healing together, God, that you would heal us? that we would not be people who look at other people's sins and compare ours, thinking that ours are cleaner. But God, would you help us to love people and to love you? God, we need your help in that. It's in your name I pray, amen. As Clark mentioned, if you need prayer this morning, to my left, to your right, we would love to spend time praying with you and hear you confess. We love you, Fellowship Fable. God bless you.